Welcome back to another episode of The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Now, in this episode, I am joined by my good mate, actor and comedian, and huge Mariners fan, Mr. Adam Ray. Now, I started this podcast and called it The Top Step because some of my favorite memories in the big leagues were standing on the top step of the dugout with teammates, hearing their story, and being inspired by their journey. Adam was born and raised in Seattle, and he grew up watching his Mariners in the kingdom and decided to make that trek to LA to pursue one of the hardest things there is to find success in, and that is acting. And not even realizing he could make his mark in comedy, he tried to stand up for the first time, and the rest is history. From starring as the bad guy in The Heat with Sandra Bullock, he is now becoming a household name. We dive into his love for the Mariners, that first time you ever get on that stage, and a whole lot more. Now, if you're enjoying this episode, make sure you go to the brand new website, thetopstep.com, where you can watch and listen to every episode from MMA fighters to MLB players and everyone in between. Okay, sit back, relax, grab a cocktail, and enjoy a few laughs as Adam Ray joins me on The Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Thanks to Hall of Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. As he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. Adam Ray, dude, welcome to the show, man. Big fan of yours. Thanks, big, dude. Oh, of course. I know you're a big Mariners fan. That's kind of, that's kind of how we met. We met in LA. I don't know if you met, if you remember where we met. Oh, um, dude, I never is- forget meet, meeting a Roland Smith, dude. I've met three in my life, and they've always been super generous and just fucking yeah. yoked. You know, you definitely yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, some about the Roland Smith genes. I don't know what's in the in the water or how you guys are raised, but you're all <laughs> just like. And I don't want to, you know, burst through my shirt here because I've done six push-ups this whole quarantine. But, but um, yeah, man, you came in with a lot of girthy dudeness right out of the gate. But not intimidating. Like, you came in as like, I got your back. Not like, hey, look at my girl wrong and I'll, I'll you know, I'll twist your, uh, your balls up in, in, in between your taint. Go ahead. Well, well just, just to let you know, now I'm sitting here like this. I've actually got, where is it? <laughs> yeah. I've got an iced so coffee and it's in, like, it's in a protein shake container. Oh, so now I'm going to look like the biggest... <laughs> biggest meathead talking about workouts and the whole thing but anyway. oh do it dude please share the goodies man i need to get my shit in order <laughs> Let's do it. In LA, right? that's right yeah a couple of years ago and uh through rick riz you 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 became buddies with him and uh he's like hey do you know who that is yeah yeah i said i don't know who the hell that is and then i was like oh oh apparently he's famous so i'm just gonna kiss his ass okay yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know there's varying degrees of fame but for for riz you know the fact that I motorboated Sandra Bullock in a in a in a movie to, to I am a god to him. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I met Riz at a at a place called Vino Bella. It's a wine bar in Issaquah, and uh, oh, he's and the mayor I of was, Oh, dude. Oh. Riz Riz could walk into any Baskin Robbins and get two scoops of whatever, <laughs> dude. He could he could give him two scoops of attitude, and they'd be like, dude, I'll take it, man. You're kind of an asshole, Riz, but I'll take it because you're the king of the city. But he was at the uh, wine bar, and, and I got off stage. It was basically I was doing like a pre-show to my weekend of shows in Tacoma, and um, 
And he was sitting there in the back, and I was wearing my M's hat, which I do a lot. And I was like, no way, dude. Rick Riz. And so now I'm like, was he here during the show? Uh, if, if so, then I can – he just saw me do my thing, and I can go up, and I have grounds to – you know, because right. it's always cool when someone sees you in your element. There's a little bit more respect right out of the gate like that. Absolutely. So, And the show was fun. So I'm like, if, if he saw me and he, and he was laughing, I can walk over and introduce myself. Otherwise, I'm just a random guy being like, dude, 1995. What was yeah. it? What is that? <laughs> He's so, so smell like, you know, so he gives me a thumbs up. I walk over, we start talking, uh, and then we played pool till like three in the morning next door. And, and, um, yeah, but so he was so cool to let me come into the booth and, and has been every time I'm in town and, and you're up there and and obviously, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so you guys are that tight. I mean, we're talking playing pool till three o'clock in the morning and this is not something like, oh, hey, look, I'm famous. You're the voice of the Mariners. Hey, we should talk to each other. You guys are tight that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I've done that to, uh, you know, I've done that to other shit. I DM'd The Rock on Instagram after he commented on a picture that I posted and uh, I immediately sent him a, I've wasted no time being like, hey, Rock, best friends? Question mark, you know? <laughs> and uh, and he, he saw the message, did not respond. But, uh, but it was basically Gwyneth Paltrow had posted a picture of how she made these candles that smell like her, uh, her vagina. And so I was like, well, what could be the dude equivalent of that that would be funny to make a joke of? And, and I, I posted the picture and I tagged The Rock. I never tagged people like that in pictures, but I was like, hey, Rock, it's your move. Hit up Yankee Candle Company. Try to get some ball-scented uh, wax up and going. And all of a sudden, I started getting flooded in my DMs. People being like, how do you know The Rock? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Everybody knows The Rock. And then I look at the picture and he commented and then followed me. And he only follows like 340 people. And he's got like, you know, 160 million followers. So I immediately am like, dude, I got to. So I shot him a message over over ambitious. But but Riz, yeah, dude, we we kicked it. He's so cool, man. He, he loved to talk comedy and sports. And I think he dug how much Mariner, um, you know, intellect I have. And not, yeah. I wasn't. You know, I'm obviously a huge fan and spent, you know, I've spent so much, um, you know, cash and, and emotional wear and tear on the highs and lows of being a fan since, I mean, my buddies and I in 1994 or five would take the, uh, you know, first time I came to spring training actually down here in Arizona was before the 95 season. My dad lived here because uh, my folks split when I was nine and then he came down here. Thanks for bringing it up. And I was down here in Arizona. And uh, oh, hey, was, I, I've got, it's, it's right here. Now your parents <laughs> split. Now tell me about <laughs> oh, it. Was coming, oh, that's so funny, dude. Uh, it'd be great if there was just actually not a question, but just stick figures of parents like uh, holding hands. But then there was like, there's an X between it. <laughs> yeah. or over Do it. not yeah. forget. Yeah, Do not forget. Yeah, broken childhood. So, uh, but in 95, maybe 96, my buddies and I obviously would watch every game. We would take the bus from the Albertsons in Lake Forest Park, which I later worked at in high school. Um, shout out to Dan Boyle, who was the first, who was the first senior citizen that ever I heard uh, call boobs fun bags. You know what I'm saying? This guy was just old school, old man, managed a grocery store, early 90s. You could still kind of talk like that. And he was like, man, look at the fun bags on her. And I was like, I didn't know what that was. So I was like, what? what? He's like, the boobs. I was like, well, just say that, dude. You're making it weird. He's an instant mentor of yours. You're right <laughs> yeah. at that age. Yeah, it's my first hero. Before, before Griffey, it was Dan Boyle. So we take the bus from LFP all the way down 
uh, straight shot to the Kingdome and would drop you off. We'd, we all, we'd, at Albertsons, would get a big poster board and we would um, make a sign to get on Diamond Vision. That was our goal every game. And dude, tickets were not selling in 94, 95 when we would do this again. And so uh, we would sit up, we'd buy these $6 seats in the bleachers and then move down to third baseline. And the Kingdome, I got to say, was one of the few stadiums in Seattle that would allow you to, uh, to, to seat shift and not, not get in trouble for it. Right. And so we'd have a sign. But I remember we, when we had Rob Ducey, we, we wrote a sign that said, getting Ducey with it, because they would play getting jiggy with it when he came up. So we had getting Ducey with it, and we would hold it up. And, dude, we're just three just shitty little, like, quick, yeah. fat eighth graders holding up a sign that we uh, made with, with two different colored Sharpies. But, dude, that was, uh, you know, we've been diehard for a long time. We, we, we did that. We'd come back 11 p.m. that same night, and somebody's parents would pick us up and uh, rinse and repeat the next day. But, yeah, dude, the M's are, uh, you know, for better or for worse, my, my squad. And so meeting you up in the booth was an extra treat, dude, because, you know, obviously I listened to all the broadcasts, and I – you know, so once you became a part of the the uh, the circle of trust, dude, I was like, I was like, oh fuck yeah, and like, you know, and Riz was like, Ryan, I was like, fuck, dude, yeah, like protein shake, coffee guy, I know. <laughs> that's, that's right, I carry this everywhere. You know what's funny yeah. though? You know, you're talking about '95. I'm trying to do the, the math in my head. You would have been 10 or 11 years old, roughly. '95 or 12. So 12. All right. I'm 30, I'm All right. Seven so, now. Yeah. Okay. So that's that perfect age. To oh, yeah. when that when that year hit, you're 12 years old. All of a sudden, you got these big dreams, and whether or not you think you're going to play in the big leagues, if you played baseball or not. But that was that that age where, man, I love this team. I love sports. Boom, I'm hooked, done. But you were talking, oh, yeah. so you were you were a fan pre '95. You didn't jump on '95 when the whole city did. Oh no, I mean it was, dude. I'd say, you know, as I remember when Griffey got drafted, like that was, I'd say a year before. I mean, dude, like, I think I had a Greg Briley jersey. Like, I mean, Henry Cotto uh, cock rings, you know, like, I, um, that's a joke. <laughs> hey, Henry was, he was a coach of mine in the minor leagues. Was he really? Oh, yeah. Oh. No, dude, the next hour, Cotto stories. The rest of the hour, how about that? Henry Cotto stories, boom. By the way, oh, I could do, yeah, dude, I could do, uh, I could do 20 minutes on Cotto on stage. That guy had the stash. He looked like a guy that grew coffee, but also just, you know, like literally, you know, like like third base was was full on penetration for this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he was he just had a lot of charisma to him. And uh, and dude, but I mean, Dave Fleming, you know, um, uh, which I think was like 92, 93. He was like a big prospect for us. Left handed pitcher. Uh, Brian Holman. Um, I mean, yeah, dude, I just I loved it. I mean, it was if you grew up, if you played sports in Seattle in the 90s. And you uh, had a a good amount of like players and 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 if you're a kid and you play sports and your city has all the teams, then you can't help but fan out and know all the guys. Kevin Mitchell, I mean, like it was great and it was just fun. We had a fun squad. And then when Griffey showed up, dude, I mean, it was I feel so um, lucky. Like the fact that we have not won a World Series, yeah, dude, it sucks. But also, I immediately go back to, dude. There could have been no baseball the last uh, 25 years. Yeah. And that, and then the Sonics, oh, man, dude, we would not be having this combo right now for multiple reasons. I probably would have found you on some protein website, but I think, you know, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think, you know, like chickensandpushups.com or something. But, but I, I think that that, like, that season, if it didn't happen, then we didn't get all these years and all the, yeah. I mean, dude, even that 2001 season or right. – 
the 96 season or like it's just it's so fun to even just watch and go to the games dude and 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 the highs and lows and baseball is one of those sports and you know this better than anybody it's like i mean it to 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 build up and get a squad with prospects and get a cup go dip your foot in the free agent pool and hold on to guys and hope that some guys maybe take a little less or that you lock them into a contract that's not going to screw up and now this rookie played out of his mind and he just his you know his rookie deal is now up I mean there's so many factors uh and then you're like dude how do we steal signs and everyone's like dude I don't know stop talking to me Craig Biggio but um oh dude the Astros are going to be loving this shutdown I mean I was like are you kidding? I thought about that the other day. I was washing dishes. I'm sitting there going, hold on a sec. The Astros are sitting back on. This is great. Because oh, no one oh, loving it. I mean, just getting off the hook. Now, you talked about 95 season, right? Now, they've been yeah. up here in Seattle. You know, Root Sports has been smashing out 95. You know, all the yeah. you know, MLB work, you know, the, 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 the you know, the, 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 Basically, the team that kept Seattle, kept, kept baseball in Seattle, and, and everything else, all these old games. And Real you mentioned quick, the do you, know that, do you know that like they had Tampa Bay Mariner stuff already printed? I, I heard. I didn't know if that was definitely true or how right, ugly maybe that would have looked. I, I don't know. It, it's I heard it from a handful of people. Maybe our even our mutual boy Bobby Stelton might have even dropped that nugget of info. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like that. That year, like if it doesn't happen, they're gone, obviously. And um, and the Roots doing a uh, a big solid by replaying all that stuff. Yeah, is it cool for you to yeah. watch? Well, it is, and this is just back to my point. You mentioned the circle yeah. of trust, right? Now, yeah. if if you're on that, if you're any part of that team in '95, player, staff, you have the golden ticket. Now, you mentioned coming up to the, the broadcast booth, and and you know, Rick said, "Oh, this is Ryan." The thing is, I was there like my tenure with the Mariners was it there in kind of a, kind of a shitty time. So every time they show, you know, '95 games, and yeah, because because I work with Mike Blowers, Dan Wilson, these guys, yeah. Man, they, Hometown does, heroes. Yeah, they could literally sit, you know, during a broadcast. Not that they do, and they're, they're pros, but they could literally sit there during a broadcast and just be like, fly ball, caught. Everyone's like, oh, they you know, played on that 95 team. Love them. Oh, yeah. Whatever they said. Yeah. Cool. Wow, so dude, what a call. Yeah. Every time I meet someone, whether it's, you know, you or, or you know, someone who was connected to that team in the mid-90s, which is most of the fan base, really, whether you're three oh, yeah. years old or you're 60 years old, they're always like, oh, Ryan, you know, like, what years were you here? And I'm like, oh. Yeah, these years I'm like, oh man. So sometimes, yeah, I feel like I'm. I need to sort of push into that circle of trust just a little bit because these, th those were the the '95, obviously 2001. You know, brand new stadium. You know, year and a half into that, 116 games, boom, that just lit that fire. But yeah, it's it's um it's interesting. Another thing we kicked it off about too when I first met you. I don't know if you remember this or not, but you know, you live in LA, so I lived in LA for a long time. Um, I, I was living in West Hollywood. So yeah. it's funny because <laughs> we're sitting here, I'm back in Seattle now, but you know, lived in LA. My wife lived there for years and I basically just moved all my shit into her place and spent the off season yeah. there. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it, when I, when I tell people, oh yeah, I used to live in West Hollywood, you know, they think I live in some house in the hills. I played oh, yeah, dude. No, no, no. <laughs> I like used a... to play ping pong with Leo DiCaprio and you get pink fairy with, Harrison Ford and Beyonce. Like, yeah. Well, I've, you're like, I've seen a Beyonce impersonator. She works there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking, you know, during this shutdown, obviously everyone's stuck inside. I know LA's had it pretty bad. So yeah. same with Washington. So they go, oh, man, 
if I if we had to do, I've got two kids at home. The place we're living in in LA. I remember talking to you about this. You probably don't remember. We're talking yeah. about you know, the the area we're living in and everything else. It's funny, dude, because Barry Zito, Barry Zito, and I used to work out at uh, USC. So no we used way. to couple. That's where I went. I told okay. you that. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, yeah, hey, we'll carpool. I'll pick you up, you know. And this is kind of – this is when he was in his, like, guard up because he had a couple bad years with the Giants on a big contract, you know, the whole yeah. thing. He's like, oh, what's your address? I'm like, oh, you know, I basically – we lived right near the comedy store, actually, and I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. But um, where the Chateau Marmont is, yeah. of Sunset Boulevard, but I was down down from there. <laughs> you either yeah. go up and you're, like, living in the hills or you go down. <laughs> yeah. And Zita, yeah. Barry Zita, he goes, oh, you're living in the flats. I've never heard, have you ever heard it called that before, ever? I West haven't, Hollywood. but that, uh, <laughs> you know, well, the flats, I mean, like, how far down were you? Were you down, like, Literally like a block Fountain back or Santa Monica? Oh, okay, yeah. Walk back from, from Sunset Boulevard. But... Uh, that seems like some cool, I don't know, dude, that, <laughs> that seems like a, that almost sounds like a Barry Zito song that he was trying to, like, pitch to you, that he was like, it's actually called The Flats. I wrote a song about it in my downtime. You're like, we get it, Barry. You do it all. Because um, he, was uh, he wasn't living in the flats, man. He was, he's just saying his house was ridiculous. But was it's it just funny. Giants contract or no? It was during that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. Come on. He was killing it. Yeah. But that's no, the just, cool part of the town, though. No, it is. Trust me. It's great. But on a shutdown, it's not so not so great because nothing's over. No. Yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of that place, you can obviously go anywhere, any time of the day, whatever. Yeah. Love. But I'm um, just sitting here thinking, oh, thank God we've got a backyard and the whole thing. So right now, you're, you're in Arizona right now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my girls' folks live down here. And it's, you know, it, L.A., I just bought a, a condo last year, which has been cool just to have, like, hey, a place when people come over where when when they go, hey, where's your bathroom? You don't have to go, uh, give me a second. You know, and you're uh, – <laughs> You just go, hey, go for it, man. I got a couple. Yeah. All, right. All the soap and and, uh, and and candle, Yankee Doodle candles that you want. But now, you know, our, our street uh, is basically the only outside we get. And, you know, got a little pup. And, and just, I don't know, AZ is so nice. It's a few more people to interact with during the quarantine. They got a good amount of space, got a little backyard. And, uh, you know, went on a little bike ride today. And it's it's also AZ is a little slow to the, uh, to the get up on what's going down. So... Things haven't been too as chaotic. They they are starting to become so now. But also, I can do a lot of what I'm doing remotely, voiceover, putting auditions for for um, movies and TV stuff on tape, doing podcasting like this. Um, you know, I did my voiceover job this morning, and then I'll, I'll you know any sort of IG IG stuff uh, you can do, and and um, which is why I want to get up to Washington next to visit my folks. But it's just you know I'm trying to waited out a, a buddy of mine was like dude it's flattening down you'd be safe but then i talked to my mom and she's like stay the fuck away from me i'm yeah. 71 kill me so i don't want to <laughs> put her in harm's way so i don't know what the move is yeah yeah and, and it's one thing you were doing too and i was listening to a couple of your podcasts obviously the last oh, couple cool. of days yeah plan on you you know first of all talking to your your high school I, I was listening for a second your high school football coach Oh, wow, you listened to that one, yeah? I listened oh, to that one. you didn't one. go all the way. You just listened to the last two recent, or did you go far, farther back? I listened to a couple of more recent ones. But okay, I said, no, I'm like, I'm like, talking to you right now? Because, and, and, and I'm like, oh, I get, I, I get it. Like, it took a, a couple minutes to figure out who you're talking It was cool, man, because I, I didn't know you played high school football. I mean, you guys were diving oh, yeah. into the oh, yeah. video breakdown and the fret, like, leading into, into the high school games. It, it was fun to listen to it. It was cool. Yeah, I did, I did. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I did high school baseball, basketball, and football, and then quit football 
to do the school plays. And then basketball was just kind of the, uh, the main one. But, uh, yeah, you got to do a deep dive, man, because it's cool that you listen to the last few. But my high school football coach and, and basketball coach is a cool one. But shit, man, you know, Bill Bursman on the podcast, Jim Jeffries, um, uh, Dana Carvey, Susan Sarandon, Morris McCarthy. Yeah, there's, there's uh, Howie Mandel, Jason Derulo. Dude, we went to Jason Derulo's house and uh, one of his two houses that he's got attached to each other. And we pull up this driveway and we're waiting out the there. Nowhere near the flats, dude. This guy, I mean, this guy had this neighborhood that we thought was all his because we pull up and he's like, it's this house over here. And we go up to it, but nobody was answering. But there was two giant Jason Derulo posters in the lobby of the doorway. So we're like, all right, either this is his house or he lives next to some psycho that is obsessed with him and has his pictures everywhere. And uh, and so we finally went up and he had this full studio and like, that guy's on a different level, man. Um, but uh, he uh, he definitely does more than six push-ups a day. But yeah, it's um, it's cool to to still have a, a business like this. That and even for you guys, man. I mean, you know, you're still obviously probably bumming that you don't. You should be knee deep in baseball right now. And yeah. I don't know how are you. What what are you doing other than pods and and hitting the the uh, airwaves to uh, basic to kind well, of fill the time. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm sitting in literally the only corner of my house that, you know, I can, you know, make sure, because i got two kids. I don't want to, you know, I mean, they're doing their thing. I've got a dog, the whole. So it's been, it's been a lot of this, man. And and that's one thing, you know, I, want, I wanted to ask you because it yeah. kind of, it creeps me out because when you look at all of a sudden everyone's working from home, right? Everyone's doing like even TV shows, you know, like Jimmy Fallon's interviewing people from the basement, you know, and you kind of get yeah. an inside look of, what they look like when they're home, if they're not wearing the suit and they've got the studio. But it kind of yeah. creeps me out in the sense that I don't want this, you know, if this is what it's going to be in 10 years that everyone just talks through Zoom, I'm someone, I need to be around people. I know how it is for you. But, I mean, being a comedian, man, I mean, you've got, you're doing, aren't you doing like virtual shows or? Yeah, I just did one today. Yeah, it was weird, man. It was like, you know, I and I do. I like to do a lot of crowd work in my shows. Um, if you, you know, your audience, YouTube's any of my stand-up clips. There's a bunch. If you just type in my name plus crowd work, you know, I've just gotten really comfy with interacting with the crowd and and spinning, whether it's handing hecklers, which there's a bunch of those clips or or whatnot. And so I'm trying to do that even during the Zoom. And and uh, it was weird because everybody had kind of muted themselves so they could listen, but then I couldn't really hear. I was hearing peppered laughter, and then some of their Pictures would go out and then pop back right. up. So, dude, it was a challenge. But I and I was only supposed to do about twenty minutes. I did almost an hour, and uh, and it, it kind of and and it's easy money, man. And and I have buddies that are stacking up gigs like that. And why not? Because you still do want to like this is huge to even have this interaction and and uh, yeah. flexing that muscle. You got to do it because man, not being on stage, it's truly. I think the longest I'd gone up until this point doing not doing stand up was probably 10 days if I went back home to Seattle and I was like, I'm going to treat yeah. this as a true shutdown. And this is pre-corona. And, and you know, I, I try to do that a lot when I go to Seattle. I try to schedule it around. You know, there's a couple clubs I'll try to pop in on and do spots just because it's, you know, it's a drug after a while. You can't not yeah. go up. And also I'm constantly writing and I, it, but you know, you can hit the burnout sometimes. But when I go to Seattle, I try to choose that as an opportunity to, be at my family's disposal and take my nieces and nephew for a couple nights so my sister and brother-in-law can uh, can get it in, you know, and uh, and uh, kick it with my mom and stepdad and 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 go to M's games and and just really be a person because that's also incredibly crucial to stand up is like living a life worth writing about. They always say, which is tough now because yeah. 
you know, everyone when it comes back is going to be, it's going to almost be like when Trump got elected. Most comedians are going to have a lot of like quarantine material, but again, it's all going to be like your perspective. So it yeah, it right. won't be it won't be too tiring because everyone's going to have a different view of what they did or whatnot. But then I think after a few weeks of that, and hopefully we get back to it sooner than later, people are going to be thirsty for like, all right, now let's back to the escape from the real world, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it's interesting. I, the, the one thing, like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, all my friends are working from home. They all got, you know, office jobs and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, well, actually, my company just said for the next 12 months, work at home. I'm yeah. like, I don't want to live in a world where, like, oh, when these cubicle workers go home. Well, yeah, I don't need them. Because all, because the one thing that creeps me out, this is where I'm getting to, is e-games. Dude, yeah. I'm screwed, man. These e-games are going off. These kids are making millions of bucks, these nerds. Millions, dude. And I've got nothing against video games, man. Have at it. I played, you know, some Tony LaRusso baseball or whatever it was back in the day nice. on, on, yeah. on Sega, right? We call it the Mega Drive. I think it's Sega Mega Drive or something. It's different. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's different from the States. Anyway, it's the only baseball game you could find anywhere. Like it was, and you had to have it in no from the States. Oh, dude. Yeah. And it costs like, you had to pay double. It was ridiculous. Right? You never got RBI baseball or no, um, no. MLB the show or. or that, um, was, that was later on, but I'm talking when oh, I was yeah. like, well, you know. Bases um, loaded? You ever played bases loaded? No, no, no. no Damn, no. dude. I, I grew up with kangaroos jumping all over me in a hut in the, in the outback. Dude. Uh, yeah, that's all what, right. That's way cooler. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, but uh, but no, dude, it creeps me out because this is like it's kind of giving people ideas in the sense of saying, oh shit, I don't need these people in the office, beat it. And then yeah. like sports, you know, all of a sudden there's this thing with MLB now, and I'm seeing it all over, you know, notifications, um, playing simulated baseball games, and I'm just like, no, please no, because this is I kind know, of. Like, <laughs> you're right though, man. I think once this is all said and done, I think people are going to just be thirsty for some interaction. And get out yeah. and get people, you know. I'm I hope so, dude. I mean, you know, I look, I, I have a feeling baseball might, I mean, you know, you want the shows to to come back. And I think with, you know, I'm not at a level, obviously, like a Joe Rogan that's doing 5,000 seat theaters. So if they do start back and say, hey, maybe a couple hundred people, you know, you hope that a lot of, uh, you know, civilians will want to roll the dice. But with sports, it seems like, I mean, I think, what is your take on the no fan thing? I want sports right now regardless. I don't really care. It's like, look, we there's sacrifices are going to have to be made. It obviously will be different. Football will be different with no fans. But, like, maybe you can simulate crowd noise or fucking take some of those yeah. sound effects from MLB The Show and, and Sega La Russa Baseball and put them in, you know, so <laughs> yeah. that just to kind of fill the uh, atmosphere. But, yeah, I mean, I, when, well, you know, I, first of all, the – the, the first reaction from the players was, I'm not doing that. You know, the, you know, the players union always has to step in and be on their terms. So I think that was kind of the first reaction. But it's going to get to a point where MLB, MLB, even though the players, the strongest players union of any sport there is, but MLB still runs the show. It's going to get to a point where it's like, well, you either do this or you're not going to get paid straight up. Yeah. And I think yeah. the players, it's going to get a, a couple more weeks into this and they're going to be like, shit, I just want to play. Or when it gets financial, that's when it's going to be the difference. When all of yeah. a sudden money's involved and it's going to be like, well, here's the deal. Otherwise, you're technically yeah. striking like you did back in the early 90s. You never want to get to that place. So if it ever gets to that, here, this is it. This is it. If you don't like it, go ahead and strike like they did, you know, during the CBA back in 94. And the players will go, okay, I'll, I'll play. So that was the first little thing. Look, I, I think they need to play. Obviously, I'm not a doctor by any means. I've got no idea what's happening. I'm still on the fence about 
I get this thing's out of control and spreading and the numbers and, and everything else. I still don't feel like the media's quite give me the whole I, – I, I got no idea, man, no idea. And that's right. the – I don't think anyone does, right? So it's one of these things – I think MLB's smart in a sense. They came out and said, oh, hey, mid-May, late May, we're going to be back on the field. And they got crushed for it. The media's like, oh, you're out of your mind, this and that. But they're smart because now people are talking about Major League Baseball. And on the flip side, if they don't get it done, hey, at least we tried. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. really good for the game, whether or not that happens and if they try and do it where you're at in Arizona. I, it, obviously, it's not going to be the same, but you know, they, their ratings, TV ratings will be through the roof, man. Just go for it. Do it. You know? do you, what, do you, what do you miss most about, about like, because we've never experienced a full takeaway like this. Yeah. So I... I'm so curious for people like you that have played and been in it and have just such a, uh, an even greater understanding and an appreciation for the game. Because I think as much as a, a fan as I am, and it's like anything, it's like comedy. Like unless you are gone through the trenches of it, you've got a deeper connection to it. So it almost like it, 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 it you know, pains you to the core yeah. a little bit to, to also for you, yourself selfishly to not get to be enjoying it and oh, be yeah. a part of it, but to know certain guys that probably – Dude, probably I don't know made the team or were yeah. this a couple exactly. of minor league games away. Right. So and that that's that's the one thing. Well, two things. One for me personally, doing what I'm doing now, it's it, you know it's addicting. Like to to be talking about baseball and you know being a, having a chance to do it on TV and radio and you know when the season ends, I'm bummed out because you know I love watching the game. You know I, I work with an awesome crew of people and I like you know give my opinion. I like you know freezing up, all those little things that, you know, it kind of gets my only little adrenaline rush I have because I don't play anymore. So it kind of gives me that little hint of that, which I really miss. But there's players, dude, you, you hit the nail on the head. There's guys who are killing it in spring training right now, and it's kind of do or die in a sense. For example, like Austin Nola, right? Yeah. Now, I haven't thought about this a whole lot, but he's a guy who knows that there's this slew of young players coming. He has to hit now. 2020 was his year to hit. He, he got a chance. He's his late 20s. Got a chance to come up last year, went off with the Mariners, uh, and all of a sudden now he's he's going to make the team. They basically told him that. Well, guess what? It gets shut down, dude. Another year of this or whatever, or you know, he only gets half a year of service time in, half a year to do it. He hits two twenty. Oh. See ya. That that's the that's the, for those guys. It's tough. So you know, there's all these little things that that go into it. I think you know, a couple of weeks in, man, they're going to have to do something just to get. Something going on, but again, I, I just I don't know. Yeah, I'm not throwing conspiracy theories. I think I feel like I'm this close to going to watch Alex Jones's info. Yeah, just oh, I know, dude. I know, I know. There's been a couple, a couple yeah. theories that have been pushed out on Facebook, and late night after a couple of tequilas, I'm like, you know what, dude? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, dude. I think that, dude. There, this. I think Panda Express is behind the coronavirus. You know, like. Yeah. Some yeah. sort of uh, weird dot connector. But look, I think because there's no rule book for this type of situation, it truly is just going to be a – I mean, that's why the NBA was even like, dude, maybe we do like a game, best of three tournament at fucking – at, uh, you know, at, at, in Vegas or in um, the Bahamas. Like, it's – they understand the need and also the ability to capitalize on um, on the viewership. And, and one thing that I – I know that uh, I'm trying to do that. My buddy and I are starting a live stream of going back and watching old NBA games from the 90s and, um, and old commercials, and we're just going to do commentary over them because, look, people are, re-airing, people are re-airing all these old games, so we're like, well, we're watching them too. Like, 
people might want to watch these if they are with a little bit of the kind of fun commentary and like we did a little sure. test yesterday and it was awesome. We might do it with baseball too. We'll see how it goes. And baseball actually would be probably even better because there's more opportunity for small talk and really yeah. kind of give the commentary that I mean, because there's been times I've been up there with, with you and Riz, and I'm like, I'm like, Riz, dude, let me on the mic. He's like, dude, I'd get in so much trouble. I'm like, I dude, I've done so much morning radio for stand-up. I know like, first of all, I know there's a drop button. I know there's like the delay, right. but also, dude, I have conditioned myself to edit out F-bombs or whatever right. and keep it clean. I can be clean. I can be baseball radio clean. And he's yeah. just like, he's like, we'll see, we'll see. So, you know, selfishly too, I'm like, dude, here's another season where I got to wait to possibly get on the mic at Safeco, but for T-Mobile. I, 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 I don't want to get myself here or Aaron Goldsmith in trouble here at all if, um, if, our, if our boss is listening, but it was the sixth inning, sixth, seventh inning, and I brought in the punter for University of Washington. He's Australian. And he's oh, sitting nice. there, his buddy's got, you know, a couple beers deep. He comes in. I'm like, yeah, come in, man, grab a seat. You know, like, like at T-Mobile in the radio booth. And then Aaron's yeah. like, oh, hey, I've done a game. You know, I, I covered a game, college football, in, back in, whatever, January. And he's like, oh, hey, nice to meet you, mate. Like, thick Aussie, thick Aussie accent. This guy's super, like, bogan Aussie. Never really seen baseball what's, at all, right? Yeah. So he's sitting up there like this, you know, with a beer in his hand. And uh, Aaron just swings a chair and goes, Put these on, would you? Put the headphones on. And he's like, all right, put them on. And he's like, so in the booth right now, we've got University of Washington. He's sitting there like, uh, yes, sir. Whoa, so no headphones. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, they hit the ball pretty far. It was brutal, man. It was like, I'm sitting there <laughs> watching this go down. I'm like, oh, this is just bad. And I, so I had to jump. How was he? Oh, brutal. Brutal, mate. Oh, man. And he's just, because he just doesn't know baseball. He, he hasn't got a clue, right? He's Australian. Like, you know, that's how it is. But it was like, you know, and I'm sitting there going, Aaron, what are you doing, man? Like, so I'm surprised. I'm surprised Rick didn't have you on, dude. It must have been yeah, a close game right. or something. I he doesn't think trust so. you. That's the problem. Well, he's I'll do stand up. Sure. He's seen my stand up, dude. He that's knows right. I'm a loose cannon. That's right. Uh, yeah. Hey, so. I gotta, okay. oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to ask you a question because I've been been to your beautiful country, performed a lot of stand up. Did uh, the Sydney Opera House had um, with Adam Devine? We did a whole tour. You know, went to uh, Perth and and uh, Brisbane and and Melbourne and um, did, went to the Sanctuary and like Unreal and and um, got where wicked sunburn. Dude, I, we went to some beach that was famous where where the uh, your Fourth of July was happening. What's a big famous beach? Is it in Perth? Bondi? Are you talking about on the East Coast in Sydney? No, I think it was in Perth. Uh, West, no? dude, West Coast. I'm on the no, East Coast, man. No. Yeah, West Coast. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. in Sydney. Regardless, we spent uh, – what's the day called? It's the your 4th of July. What's that? Yeah, dude. That was crazy. And um, uh, the Sydney Opera House, though, was epic, and the lights went out. Like, I get up there. It's just magnificent building, and there's – you can't see anything into the crowd. And uh, I'm about three minutes in, and I'm doing some dick joke. And uh, and the light just slowly starts to fade out and then just goes uh, off and then turns back on bright real quick to where I just go huh? and look up. And then the audience all laughed. So I was like, OK, good. They they saw it. I was like, guys, I got to be honest. I thought I was having a stroke. I didn't I've never had one. I thought that's how it happens, where the light just slowly goes out on your life. And then I was like, or maybe it was the ghost of Mozart being like, hey, dude, enough with the, yeah, <laughs> enough, yeah. with the dick, enough with the dick jokes. You're in a very prestigious venue. But um, I have to know. As an Aussie, do you go Hugh Jackman or do you go um, Russell Crowe? I'm going to say Hugh Jackman. Get to be on the booth. 
locked in the booth with one guy to talk baseball. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm going to go Hugh Jackman. He, he's this dude who, yeah. like, yeah, he, he's enough. Look, uh, Russell Crowe's amazing, right? Now, you obviously, you, oh, you're yeah. an actor, so you know the craft way oh, better than I do. Dude, okay. yeah. Come like, on. What was the show he was just on? It was Unreal uh, about the Fox. Uh, oh, Fox what was oh, that called? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. It's uh, Roger it on Showtime. Um, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we played, yeah. That was unreal, mate. That that was ridiculous. Like, that was but, – but Hugh Jackman just – seems like that guy who can just kind of jump from this topic to that topic and, and oh, yeah. have an understanding of everything and just be crystal clear where Russell Crowe, I feel like you'd really have to sort of nudge him, you know, to, to, to get him going a little bit. If it was, if it was in that situation, if you're sitting there in, in a booth yeah. with him, but um, now, who, would definitely... you, who would you take back up in a fight? Because Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, but Russell Crowe has thrown phones at people that work in hotels. And uh, I gotta be honest, like, Playing an action hero or being a straight up like a fucking fiery dude in real life, I almost got to go crow on this one. Yeah, I do, but I just think he's got like, a phone on handy to give him. Yeah, I think there's like some sneaky like Krav Maga black belt that you got no idea, like you know, super calm oh, out of Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking oh, like there's yeah. some little, little you know, something like that where he can do something sneaky on the street, you know, where, where Russell Crowe's too out of shape. I'm just crushing Russell Crowe right now. By the way, I think he's half, oh. half Kiwi. He's half New Zealand. So that's why I'm crushing him. The, so, yeah. See the, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you, though, man, this is something that, you know, again, I, I lived in L.A. for a long time. I hang out at the comedy store, yeah. you know, all the time. Loved it, right? And this is, this is, you know, however long ago this was, and you go up there and they're like, oh, special guest. And you mentioned having Bill Burr on your show, and this is where I, I learned about Bill Burr. This is way back. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy's hilarious. But yeah. he got up on stage, and I th- there's a lot of people in the audience that obviously weren't from there. They're like, oh, shit, Bill Burr. So they're expecting this one-hour stand-up. But he gets up there, and he's just kind of chopping up little bits and pieces. I guess, like you guys call it, you're working on yeah, – Yeah, you're work- working out. Yeah, it's right. a workout, yeah. Same thing like you, uh, for an athlete, yeah. Exactly. Okay, how do you get to that level? Well, you can go to a place, because getting into the comedy store to get up on stage there is no easy task. Right. right. Obviously, it's not like you mentioned, like the Joe Rogan sold-out arena. But at the same time, that's like that's like royalty in a sense. How do you get to that level where you can actually go into the comedy store and say, you know, hey, listen, I need to go work on some material. How long does it take and what does it take to get to that to get to that level? Well, I wish there was like some golden ticket answer, but there's really, you know, even when I started and comics above me tried to throw me uh, gems of advice, it's like control what you can control, which is writing every day, getting up all the time, driving two hours to San Diego to do eight minutes in front of somebody or host or, or, you know, I did so much of that and you have to. And then look, there's some guys that do less of that and kind of click and, and meet somebody that takes them on the road sooner than later. But yeah. you can't replace, there's no replacement for the work, which is why it's such a, a true, uh, you know, fair profession where, you know, look, there's a lot of people that, that uh, it's all subjective. There's people that think Louis CK, who his new special I'm going to watch tonight. Apparently everyone's told me it's amazing, which I can't wait. And I have no doubts cause he's a great comic pervert, but whatever, dude, like, you know, like that's it doesn't take away from his comedy, yeah. and it's like the guy, you know, took his hits, paid his dues, fucking did some weird shit, wasn't in the same light as Cosby at all, which was real fucked that people did that because it's like, yeah, dude, the guy was creepy and did some weird pervy shit, but but by no means was he like drugging people. Um, anyway, yeah, but so, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of 
Louis C.K. fans out there who will publicly say, oh, no, I'm, I'm never going to watch him again. The yeah, that's fine. pops up, they'll go, oh, oh, where is it? Oh, a thousand percent, dude, because people always, hey, they love a comeback and they, they know how great he is. And they're like, they'll hear rumblings like, like I have already about how great it is. But, you know, you have to just pound the pavement, dude. And, um, and you know, it sucks because when you're young and you're starting out, all you want to do is be further along than you are. And yeah. uh, three years in, I remember being so frustrated that I didn't have a, a half-hour Comedy Central special or that I hadn't gotten a late-night spot on The Tonight right. Show. Or And every year you get better, you go, thank God it didn't happen then because I'm this much more honed and, and polished and, and I have more of a point of view that's, you know, stronger to uh, to connect to a room full of strangers. The Comedy Store is up on a, uh, a pedestal because it's, you know, you have to get past at all the clubs to become a regular and call in for your avails, which is where I'm at now, which is what even Bill Burr does. You call in on Monday, you put in your avails for the week, and there's three rooms, <clears throat> and you get your spots divvied up, and they are workouts. You go in for yeah. 15, sometimes 20 minutes, depending on the show, and and that's where people work on their hours to then go on the road. And, I mean, shit, dude, I've brought up Chappelle. I've brought up, you know, Dice Clay, I'm, yeah. you know, um, Burr, obviously. The best, you get on these lineups, you're – Everyone's doing the same shit where you're you're trying to work out the stuff to take to the big paying audiences. Right. People don't realize sometimes at the comedy store what they're getting with a twenty buck, uh, you know, admission fee. Oh, where, dude, right. some of these lamps I've been on one night. I remember it was my buddy was in town, and this was a night Chappelle popped in and did three hours at the end of the night. But I mean, this lineup was crazy, and it was so it's me and Theo Vaughn and Crystalia and Winnie Cummings and David Spade and Burt Kreischer and Sebastian Maniscalco, and it's just Joey Diaz, Rogan, just hitters down the line. And people are like, dude, this happens every night. And it's gotten so popular that the one downside is some comics feel like, well, now it's tougher to really work out new material because the audience is so hot, you feel like you need to crush. <clears throat> but um, but it's it's you know, it's a really cool fraternity to be a part of. And um, again, if I were to tell a young comic, like asking the question you did about how do you get there, it's like, again, control what you can control, which is getting better, get us get funnier every year be cool don't be a piece of shit don't be dramatic don't don't be jealous don't cause tiffs don't uh <clears throat> don't talk shit and don't don't uh turn down an opportunity to hang out some comics it, will it, argue oh go is, ahead is, is there a lot of jealousy is there a lot of look it's like okay. any business man it, yeah there's, is there's there a lot, lot of, of you know the, the guys who are like a step or two above you right as far as like where they've gone and, and what they've done in com and you know in stand-up and you get to know them, and you're you're threatening them in a sense. But they have, hey, I know the the guy at this club, or I know this person, or whoever it is, because it's all about it's a lot, not all about, but a lot of it's about networking in a sense. Sure. So there's a lot of that where, hey, they're just going to completely shut it down when giving you any kind of lead to to try and help your career out. I mean, it depends. I think there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of support in in the uh, comedy world, and also. People above you that are crushing it. Joe Rogan doesn't spend time thinking about how Adam Ray's, no. you know, <laughs> on his coattails, you know, or 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 on his, uh, you know, whatever the saying is, fucking checking in the rearview mirror or, or making sure that he's going to steal his his uh, his protein shaker. Like, there's there's enough shit to go around, and I think people that are at that level are only, and I don't even think uh, Rogan is looking at other guys as competition to him. I'm sure he enjoys where he's at, but I think it's people that are. Like in my position, and I will sometimes use whether it's jealousy or, um, or uh, I guess that's you know 
that's the word to describe it. If I see something that someone's doing that I want, I try to, and this is a healthy, a healthy mind shift. Early on, I, it'd be straight jealousy that I would let eat me up. And now I try to use it as fuel to the fire and go, all right, well, shit, this guy got that part or, yeah. man, they're doing a special and you, you know, you want uh, one on Netflix and, you know, you're only getting offers from these places. Well, shit, con again, control what you can control and get better. And maybe they'll come at you. But there are other factors because even with Netflix, it's very, they, you know, pride themselves on diversity and being, you know, star fuckers in a, in a sense where they only give out specials to people that are truly like, you know, heavy hitter, hitters on the, uh, all over the map. But being a white guy too, man, in, in comedy right now, there's, you know, there's not, there's no shortage of us. So it's finding right. lane and something different yeah. about you to separate yourself. And, and that's why I was like, Hey Riz, let me on the mic in the booth. Cause maybe I could drop a couple, uh, yeah. a couple choice words that might go viral. And then Netflix is like, Hey, who's that loose cannon in the booth? And then they give me a spread. No, that's not how it works at all. But <laughs> yeah, man, is, you just gotta. Is Netflix? Is that the ultimate? Like, is that the now the pinnacle? Because Netflix is really sort of yeah. <clears throat> showcasing the best comedians. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this is a really good time to not be even the best, though. Not even the best. I would say like it's you know there's well, the biggest. You it's, know, like it's the, the it's the biggest platform to get seen because it's global, dude. And I've had friends that get specials on there and are now doing shows. In Australia and in, in Sweden and Israel and Spain, because dude, they'll just pop right. up and uh, on Netflix and get such a, a big reach. But um, you know, I think it's it's uh, getting it to a place where the most people can see it. Even YouTube on Comedy Central's channel, I'm I'm starting to uh, have discussions with because even there's millions of people uh, subscribed to that channel that could get it seen, and it's easily uh, you know accessible, and that's what you want. You you know, even getting it on HBO is cool, but they don't make it as easy to, to find their shit. So you just want to get a get your stuff in a way that people can see it. I know a handful of comics that are great. Netflix passed on them, so they shot it themselves and sold it to a, a smaller streaming service that again had a had a huge reach. So right, um, yeah. So okay, so with you obviously growing up in Seattle, getting to LA, what made you move down there? Now it's obvious. Okay, I want to pursue stand up comedy. But was there something that, that pulled you down there? Or were you like, hey, mom and dad or whoever, boom, I'm doing this. I'm going to go try down with nothing, with $5 in my pocket. And I went for it. Was it that story? Or was there something that said, hey, man, come down here. We want you to do, you know, was it an acting gig or something that, that kept you there for three months and said, boom, I'm staying? Well, I, it was acting school at USC. I had, uh, oh, yeah, had auditions. School at USC. Yeah, yeah. So it was in the BF acting school. And my SAT scores were fine and like I had extracurricular shit, but, and I obviously wasn't going to play uh, sports there, even though I tried to walk on for basketball and they were like, nah, man, how tall are you? I was like six feet. And they're like, I remember the uh, coach at the time I was walking on this practice and, and he was like, shoot, shoot a shot from right there. And it was a three in the corner. I hit one and then he goes, shoot one from there. And I missed it. And he goes, see ya, man. I go, that's my tryout. And he goes, you weren't going to make it anyway. I was like, fair enough. And, um, but I went down to the acting school and that was getting into that school they re the acting school recommended me to USC, so then they had to take me. And so uh, that's what moved me to L.A. Otherwise, I probably would have gone to the University of Washington, then the theater school there, and then moved down four years later. Um, so thankfully, I had a, a head start because just being acclimated to L.A. is so, as you know, it's like it's daunting. So to get yeah. a little bit of a, a head start and feel somewhat like I had my, my bearings um, was really beneficial. But right. L.A., then moving off campus into the real LA world because I didn't leave campus to go do stand-up during college. I did a few frat parties here and there and 
followed bands that started two hours late where people were just like, get off. And I'm like, dude, I've got a great story about Charlie Brown. They're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but you, but so you were in, hey, Adam, one sec. Adam, one sec, buddy. Can you, what's up, sweetie? What's going on? Sorry, this is my daughter. This is Kennedy. Hey, Kennedy. Sorry, sorry for the swearing. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'll get headphones on. I was saying you had to step away because, you know, you had, you had bigger bigger things on Instagram going, Instagram party or something. No, so, so who are you talking to? So, um, uh, Mike Henry, who's the voice of uh, Cleveland uh, on Family Guy and, um, you know, Greased Up Deaf Guy and Herbert. Um, and he's just, you know, uh, a, a comedy uh, legend. And so I be became chummy with him through a buddy of mine that was writing on Family Guy, still is, and uh, actually wrote the Family Guy Simpsons crossover episode. My buddy did. And so he linked me up with uh, Mike to be on my podcast. And we just kind of become buds and, and uh, he was doing an uh, Instagram live thing all week with uh, a bunch of other comedy guys. And so today was, was my day. He's doing Seth MacFarlane on Monday. And uh, anyway, so we just, because we got a little late start, I was bumping into his time. So I appreciate you. Uh, you oh, hanging no, tight, but no, are you kidding? No, no maybe if you were on a cartoon, I would have stuck around, but you know, I, that's, I do it. I do exactly. it by who's got anima animation priorities. I get it. I totally and I was able to get a cocktail, so everything yeah. worked out. There you go. Hey, by the way, b before we got off last time, you're talking about doing stand up in front of frat boys and, and you know, college kids and stuff. You were in a frat, right? I was in a frat. Yeah, I was I in. Picture um... that, dude. At all? Oh wow, really? By the way, I just turned my my uh, the soundboard on. Is the audio better now? No, it still sounds like shit. But anyway, who cares? Oh really? For just real? No, no, it sounds good. It sounds okay, good. Okay, good. Okay. Um. I, uh, yeah, man, the frat thing was not something I planned on, but when I got to college, uh, you know, there was a thing for Jews to move in early. It was called, uh, it was like all the, it was a, a, it was called Fresh Fest or something. And it was where freshmen could meet other kids at school that were, uh, of the tribe and you get to move in two days early and avoid the chaos of moving day and then, uh, get, get to, you know, get a set of friends before school, uh, you know, starts and, and I got, you know, rushed by guys that were in the fraternity. And again, I was like, nah, this is my thing. I had an idea of what the frat was, which was forcing guys to piss their pants or, um, or, you know, uh, get too fucked up and it was just uh, chaos. And yeah. then I started meeting some of these guys and they're like, come with us to the Laker game on Thursday and, and just see and meet some of the guys. I'm like, for free. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, all right. And then they're like, come to this thing, come to this thing on Friday, come to this thing. And then they were all like cool guys. And then next thing you know, I'm rushing the fraternity. And then it was just like insane. And I bowed out and uh, I did six of the 12 weeks of rushing. And then I was also in the musical um, uh, my freshman year and had a girlfriend long distance in Santa Barbara. And I was like, this is too much for one kid, man. I, you know, man. I've just, I just learned what a wet dream is. I can't be doing three different things at one time like this. And uh, so I, I, I quit the frat. Ended up repledging and, and did it the sec second semester with a much cooler group. Here's, a, here's an example of, of the two different groups that I was dealing with. The, the first, uh, in the fall when I rushed, we had to eat these huge burritos at this local Mexican restaurant and then run laps in our suits. And we're running laps all around the campus. And at one point I'm like, you guys think we can swing by my place real quick so I can grab a fresh pair of socks? I'm in the very back. And everyone's like, dude, shut up, Ray. This isn't funny, dude. God, this isn't funny. And I was like, Man, if we can't joke about what's happening right now, yeah. then this is not this is not gonna be for me. And right. the next group I had was all about it. It was about poking fun and 
And um, not taking the piss. What do what do Ozzy say? That's it. You got it. Taking, taking the, piss? the piss. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, so so guys that and look, dude, that's that goes across the board for any friendship now, man. If if I if I'm gonna be in your life and vice versa, like if you can't laugh at yourself, brother-in-law who I love to death, and he's a, a a white dude, and he's a rapper, and he's not Eminem, so that's a lot to deal with. And then you know he's got. He's a, got a heart of gold, but like I've now gotten comfy enough to be able to bust his balls, and he takes it. And I was like, right. oh, good, because if he, he does have a, a somewhat tough exterior, and if he was not receptive, you know, I'd have to start, you know, uh, I don't know, comprising some, some separation papers or something, put them under my sister's pillow. You, you mentioned you mentioned that you know with, with Australians it's called oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just taking the piss. Basically, it means you know hey, I'm just just giving you a bit of shit. Just just chill out. The one thing sp- speaking of LA, now obviously you went to SC and then you lived oh, yeah. there. But everyone in LA that I found just takes themselves way too seriously. That was one, my one big complaint. I said to my wife who lived there for over ten years, I was like, right. Man, Everyone here just is so full of drama. Like, everyone takes themselves very seriously. Again, I think in your world, probably a little bit different. But I'm talking. It just, man, it drove me nuts. Cause for me, dude, it's, it's, it's like that, man. You have to laugh at your situation. Absolutely. You do. You do, dude. It's um, life's too short, man. And it's yeah. look, I get because it took me a minute to warm up to that concept of like poking fun at yourself. And I think because I, I got, you know, uh, I was just talking with Mike about this about where the comedy uh, uh, came from for me, and it was, you know, I was a, I was a big kid growing up, you know. Uh, and you know, I, my coach, when, when we played, uh, basketball, he called me Krispy Kreme Abdul-Jabbar. That's a fat joke. And that was well-earned because I smelled like baked beans and mac and cheese when I sweat. So, so, so you were a fat kid growing up. Oh yeah, dude. And so I'd get all the names and Adam Fadham, Jello Jiggler, <laughs> penis, penis and tits kid. I got everything you could say. <laughs> so offensive and on the nose, but hilarious looking back. And so eventually I started to kind of you know, it hurt. And then I was like, I'm going to fire back. And then I would start, you know, whether it was an insult or doing other funny things, I started to become known as the funny kid, not the fat kid. And that's when I was like, all right, I think this is, this is definitely really fun. It's taking, it's letting people see me for me and not, you know, you know, just uh, looking on the surface, but kids are also so cruel, man. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how much damage they're doing with just saying shit. There was a kid that used to tease me. And when I finally started to fight back with words, he, uh, his name is Jesse Davis, and he always wore really tight sweatpants. And all I did was call him tight pants. And, dude, he lost his shit. Right. I mean, I was just like, I'm just commenting on the, uh, you know, elasticity of your uh, your pantalones, and you're losing your mind in the fourth grade. This is hey, it, it's way worse now, though, man. But the kids, just the, the okay, I've just discovered, right. not just discovered a couple months ago, I just discovered t- what TikTok is. Mate, I mean, you're talking the amount of work that takes. Like, you basically have to edit, produce, do a whole dance, and you have to get the likes, this, that, and the other. But kids now online just absolutely get crushed oh, online. Yeah. It's got to be way worse, man, trying to keep up with those expectations. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the TikTok thing is, by the way, you don't feel like you're missing out. It's going to come and go. It's There's never going to be a, a shortage of quick apps like that that are going to provide you know the future with things to distract them from actually helping the future um but i mean it's also do you remember vine were you uh yeah yeah also just think about youtube i remember when youtube hit and the amount of things that were at our disposal content wise 
from a cat video to like bum fights to two girls, one cup. I mean, dude, yeah. we saw it all in a six month span. And I remember at one point right. I thought it was like, I was like, I think YouTube is going to have its day and, and get, you know, uh, pushed out by a bigger, but guess what, dude, they are killing it. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, dude, there's I mean, I don't know where you're putting this interview unless you're just saving this for like a rainy day, but it'll probably be up on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's on YouTube. So. Wait, yeah, so, so who, else did you, who else did you interview today or is on the show on this show? Who, to, to, who did I do today? Yeah. You're my only one today. Now I did Randy Couture. <laughs> yeah. By the way, which, you know, coming on with this and, and you know, I've met you a couple of times. I actually met Randy back in 2010. I had a terrible year in the big leagues, like terrible. And I, I need to switch it up. I need to get my head back. I was soft, man. It, it was like, you know, I was dealing with all this like mental stuff that the game just crushed me on. And so I seeked out doing MMA training, like it's called MMA athletics. And Randy basically like co-founded that. They had football players like Clay Matthews was doing it, a bunch of other football players. I was the only baseball player, right? And so I'd go in and there's Randy. And I've got, look, man, I, I mean, I, you know, I did some boxing and stuff as a kid. And I, by the way, I, I was addicted. It was a blast. But I never actually had someone hit me back. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just hitting pads right. and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, we're going to start doing wrestling, which has nothing to do with baseball, but it was more just a mental thing, right? And there I am. By the way, dude, I have no frigging clue what I'm doing wrestling. Like I could, I could throw some punches, throw some kicks, do some of the Muay Thai stuff, whatever. And there's Randy Couture in the corner just kind of standing there with his hands on his hips. He was like, Olympic alternate wrestler, plus he's like a six-time MMA. I'm like, do I have to do this in front of him? <laughs> Can he leave yeah. the room? It was <laughs> yeah, brutal. yeah. And then he came out, at one point he came over, and I'm like on the floor. He goes, no, 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 this is what you want to do. And his huge friggin' hands just grab, like, grabbed this arm and did this. I'm like, okay, I've got this dude on top of me right now. This is like the most awkward, uncomfortable situation. So anyway, coolest dude ever. That's where I met him, kept in touch with him you know, for a long time. And uh, it was good, man. But there was some awkward times during that interview where, hey, man, like, what, you know, when you got knocked out by Chuck Liddell, I'm, I'm thinking, sitting there thinking to myself, man, should I be asking him this? I'm like, hey, when you got knocked out by Chuck Liddell, like, you know, what, what's the protocol after that? You know, and then he's diving in this story, which was awesome. And then, like, the reception goes out. I'm like, oh, hey, Randy, um, can we just restart that? <laughs> Super awkward. But anyway, oh, he, my he's the God. Best, man. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, so Randy, a couple of Mariner players, uh, young young guys who are always fun to talk to. These, these 22-year-old big prospects the Mariner's about to have, man, uh, that's a lot of fun to, to, to chat to these guys. They'll, they'll talk about anything, so it's been fun. Is there a shift in the uh, prospect of, of today versus 10 years ago in, in the way – obviously, social media wasn't a thing at that time or as uh, you know prominent as, as it is now, but do you find that they're – even more willing to just spill oh. the beans and be themselves because they know that, you know, there's, um, they just have more outlets to do it. So an interview, you know, they, they know they got to kind of come with the goods, right? Yeah. Oh, dude, put it this way, man. In 2000, what was it? 2009 when Twitter first started, the Mariners were you know big on the trying to be ahead of the game. Kevin Martinez was the, the guy who did the public relations. He came to me and said, Hey, um, do you want to have a Twitter account? Like we kind of talked, you know, together. I said, hey, I'll do it for sure. Dude, back then, if you did any kind of look at me, look at me, you know, self-documentation or any kind of social media or any of that kind of stuff, it just started. And the man was like, hey, you're pretty proactive, you know, out there. And I was always good talking to media and, and all this kind of stuff because back then it was like, oh, the media is the enemy. But I always thought to myself, like, 
dude, I came from Australia, man. Like any attention I get to play baseball, dude, I'm putting my hand up. Like this is awesome. Yeah. Dude, respect what I'm doing as opposed to baseball. Yeah. So I was like, I loved it, man. I was always good with with media and everything else. So he said, hey, will you start? Would 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 you get on Twitter and do some stuff? I was like, for sure. Well, I, first of all, I didn't tell any of my teammates because there's no way. Like I just cop it from these salty veterans, right, on, on that team. And then they did this night where it's I follow hyphen at hyphen eighteen. You get a shirt. You do this thing. Well, I'm doing this thing talking about my Twitter and all this. Now, remember, this is 2009, man. This is baseball. It's like taboo. You look like just a complete douche about like look at me kind of deal. Well, they they're showing this the 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 stream in the clubhouse. So everyone's all these veterans. I'm mind you, I'm like a couple years in the big leagues. They're all standing around going, "What is this guy?" Like it was my friggin'. I nearly deleted it. Within oh yeah, oh it was bad. Within twelve months, though, a bunch of dudes were getting on Twitter and it was okay. And now, dude, it's just completely had a mind of its own. It's just trying to keep up with the content, you know. All did these they, players to throw themselves out. Oh there. yeah. Did did they even come to you guys with a uh, like an HR type, you know? Hey, this is the do's and don'ts of what we're dealing with because i know some team you you hear some teams have to like monitor certain yeah. players because they're like yo you're saying too much we want you to have a voice and be yourself but like maybe i don't even know if some teams uh have like a don't even be on it rule but yeah it's it's now it's gotten to the point where it's like you can't you know you can't stop play. they used to be like that it used to be like hey look you know you this is okay this isn't you have to be super like Hey, I'm just trying to give my team 100, 110% cliche right. line every time you speak to the media. But now, obviously, they monitor all that. They see what you're doing. You know, even for me, man, I mean, I work, for, I essentially work for a team. And it's something that I can't get on there and, and uh, you know, if someone has a bad start, I can't crush them. You know, yeah. Because, especially on social media. If it's something away from, you know, being on TV or radio, I can't get out there and be like, oh, hey, so-and-so sucked tonight or something where other people can yeah, yeah, so I, I get that all the time. I'm like, oh, you know, stop being such a homer or whatever because, you know, I'm, it's like, dude, first of all, I work for the team. I'm going to be around these guys every single day. And I freaking yeah. play, man. This shit's hard, all right? So yeah. I, the, the, the kid makes an error, right? It's it's because it's frigging – this game's frigging hard. So shut up. You know, I trust me. I cut that all the time. Like, oh, you're kissing his ass and he was terrible tonight. What are you saying? But, you know. Whatever. So tell me this real quick. When you make an error during a game, is there truly because I know what it felt like in the seventh grade to make an error and have my buddy's dad look at me like this. <laughs> hey dude. Like so I can only imagine on a major league level. All right, I had the yips thrown okay, so any bunt down the first baseline, not many people know this either. So, you know, from the pitcher's mount over to first base, any ball in that area, I'd pick it up, airmail that thing. My last game in the big leagues, 2014, we're playing the Mets. I was with the D-backs. And I've done the old, and if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll do my best here. Pick the ball up, just email that thing, right? And then I did the old, I looked at my hand, like something got caught on my hand. No, no, I just know that every time I pick that ball up, I either hold onto it or it's going in the stands, right? Oh Brutal. God. And it's something I'm like, oh, yeah, it just slipped out. But when you've done it two or three times in a year, they're like, dude, you've got a problem. Let's get early work. Let's go. Oh, rep, rep, rep. My- God. Yeah. Oh, the yips is real, man. The yips. I don't know if it's if it's for you guys, if you freeze on stage or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, well, look, dude, like the lights, the 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 lights fading out, um, to to you know, and coming up on Stroke City at the Sydney Opera House, like that's maybe the equivalent or a heckler, I guess, but but that's still something you can control with an air. It's like that shit happens, and I guess it's maybe a bad joke that doesn't go over well. 
But um, and I guess you just go same thing. You go next play, next joke, right? But is yeah. there someone when you make an error? Is it the manager? Is it the um? Ah, shit, man, the fucking the GM, like a, a fellow player, or does everyone? Is there a, a unwritten rule in baseball where it's like everyone knows you didn't want to fuck up, <laughs> don't say anything, right? Yeah, it's it's like you know what you, you know, you, like the old saying, Ryan will be the first to tell you that he should make that play. You know what I'm saying? So like, if it's a problem, if it's a very obvious problem, you do an early work. It's seven o'clock game there at two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, in shorts and a shirt, and you're taking rep after rep and just trying to grab something mentally. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's but it, when you're a young player, man, it can cost you that getting option down to AAA, dude. You do that a couple times, hey man, you can't pick That's up a baseball. It. See ya. Oh yeah, big oh. time. Man, yeah, man, for so sure. Stressful. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's hey. why I didn't do it. That's the only reason why I didn't yeah, do it. Exactly. You know, the stress. That's Had right. nothing to do with athletic prowess or uh, timing or, um, you know, <laughs> you know, having my t-ball coach strike me out. Dude, oh, hey, dude. you guys were locked in there, man. Like I said, I was listening to that podcast with you in your high school football. I'm sitting going, damn, oh, yeah. dude, this guy was no joke. Like that was serious. No, he was, oh, he was. He was the real deal, dude. And he, uh, <laughs> you know. He again. I've never been uh, in a in a situation where I've had a coach uh, that could fire me up more than he could. Man, I mean, he was truly like what you see in Friday Night Lights or any given Sunday. He was that guy that delivered these speeches and these, um, you know, uh, rah rah. Like we, I mean, dude, it was just crazy. And it was again. I since I had seen him since I was a kid coaching when I went to the uh, state basketball games and he was an assistant coach then. To get coached by him later on was like really crazy. So I'm glad we had that chat now. It's yeah. cool. I might even, you know, look, it's probably only interesting to people who are, you know, athletes um, or uh, that went to my high school. But there's people like that that I'd like to dive in and, and get pull sure. some more pull some more pass from. But I've been I have been getting hit up by a lot of kids that that you know loved him that were like, uh, dude, great chat. I wish it was longer. I wish we would have talked about this. And some of them are like, I wish you wouldn't have said that. Uh, you know, like, like you definitely, because also we did this thing where it's, I'm sure every athlete or ex-athlete does it, which is top, which is reliving the olden days and reminiscing and comparing. Like we did a lot where we were like, I basically threw them names of old athletes. It was, you know, p- partly just for the, the nostalgia factor, but also because every dude does it where they're like, I mean, I'm sure you relive games in your head or you hit a certain mark on a field and you have a memory come back and you're like, oh yeah. Fuck, dude, if I just gotten that strike, I oh, do yeah. that all the time oh. in basketball. All the time, man. All the time. When you Okay, so when you were playing football in high school, were you, yeah. at that point, were you thinking to yourself, I'm going to go do something big here? No, obviously not not in, not not in sport, but were you thinking, first, I, this is what I was going to ask you. When you went to school at SC, was it because you wanted to become an actor or because you wanted to do stand-up? Uh, to be an actor. So I went to the... Oh, uh, shit. Okay. So, I, so- I auditioned to be in the... There was a BFA and a BA acting school. So the BFA you audition for, thousands of kids audition. They take 20 kids and you are together all four years with your classes laid out, nine to six. You, you get a, your own class show each semester. The BA, a little looser. You have room to minor in something. You don't have a, a huge curriculum laid out for you. So you have a, an opportunity to, to take other classes. So it's not as a priority not to say, I mean, look, I know kids that were BAs that have gone on to be fucking phenomenal talents, but the BFA was more prestigious. You auditioned. It, you're, it, yeah. You were telling the school and, and that, that this was a priority for you and you really wanted to, to do yes. it. And so um, stand-up came because I was like, 
SNL was a dream of mine for a while. So I was like, oh, I know a lot of those guys have done it. I should probably start having that. And then once I graduated from SC and I wasn't doing plays anymore, I did one play after uh, college in, in 2005. I, I loved the live fix. Like being on stage, I did all through since fucking elementary school. So uh, I was like, well, how can I achieve that and still flex the uh, the writing muscle and still being funny and, and stand up? I'd always been interested in, but it was knowing the grind that it required and staying away from it. Cause I was like, I, I first two years of stand up, I was doing it maybe three times a month. And then when my uh, girlfriend at the time, uh, who was a news reporter in Reno, she, we went from LA to New York. She went to New York and then moved to Reno. And then she, uh, Damn, she uh, banged the camera guy. And that was a wrap on that story. I was like, dude, no need for the update at 11. I got the full report. <laughs> and, and, um, and so is that for, is that for real? Oh yeah. There's a song. I wrote a song called Reno cheater, which is about her and the guy. And I had my buddy animate it. And then we shot a music video, go on to YouTube after this type in Adam Ray Reno cheater. It's a really catchy song. It's a, there's a cartoon that tells the story. It's pretty great. Um, definitely bring it up during a broadcast and just put it on air. 100%, next to 100%, for sure. Yeah. But no, so when, after that, when you back up, dude, when, when, when you come back up with your buddies into the, into the booth, I'm going to say Rick, yeah. step aside champion. He's got a story for you guys. <laughs> dude, I'm going to hold you to that, but you'll also lose your job. But yeah. uh, so yeah. to have a backup. But no. So after that, when, when we split, I was like, well, now there's no excuse for me not to jump in fully and commit. Like I was mentioning earlier, like driving from here to here, you know, to do a small set just to. You know, again, commit and sacrifice friendships, relationships, social life, and go for it. Because unfortunately, man, there's, there's, uh, there's no, there's no way around it. You know, that that cameraman was probably the best thing that ever happened to you, in a sense, right? <sighs> wow, dude, I did not look at it like that, but um, yeah, dude, wow. What are you trying to make me cry on your podcast? What's the theme of this show anyway? You trying to get all Doctor Philby? Now, Adam, I know Reno, okay, is a place you used to go perform it, but there's a giant source of emotion, okay, that you are tied to, and, um, you know, it's, look, he, he banged your lover, but in a way, he loved your banging. Uh, it's, a, it's a metaphor I don't use often, but I think it makes sense. We'll be right back. But, but think about it, dude. First of all, time on your schedule is completely opened up, and two subconsciously you've got something i'm going to friggin' show you whether or not you you said that out loud right because i always yeah. go back in time i'm you know myself or, or talking to whoever like how the friggin' hell did i get a chance to play in the in the big leagues and you go back and there's these moments that you can maybe laugh at now or think back at fuck that was a hard time in my life but those little turning points did something to you to, to send you on that path you know what i mean yeah i mean dude you're exactly right i mean it's you Everyone needs a little extra push, whether it's one that you ask for or not. And um, I mean, look, I, I, I it's weird, dude, because, you know, there's a part of me had thought that I would end up with her. And then there was but there was a big part of me that was like, man, I need to um, I'm not giving it my all because of this relationship. And again, that's part of the right. sacrifice I was referring to. And so I, I was as bummed out as I was. I was like, well, shit, man. Put your money where your mouth is. You you kind of always complained internally about not being able to be in control of your whole schedule and not have anybody to answer to. And now you got that, so you got to do it. And I'm glad that I, you know, was, I guess, you know, willing to, to step up to my own 
challenge that I uh, created for myself, but I, I wanted to too. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things too, that's, and I think you, again, why athletics and, and comedy are so comparable. It's like, if you enjoy the process of getting better and the, the, the highs with the lows and the grind and like having like that community of comics that you're coming up with the same way you, you have with, with players that you're coming up through the system and getting into the show and, it's just you love all of it, and the, the the fact that you're still involved as as heavy as you are is like, that's so fucking cool, man. I mean, there's probably so many guys that would love to be in your spot. Yeah, but you know, you talk about with sports, and I was always obviously part of team sports. I talk about individual sports, team sports, but with comedy, it's not like you've got coach or you know teammate. By the way, in the minor leagues, you got teammates. They're not your teammates. You're you, the the biggest competitors you have are the dudes who are in the same locker room as you. Like, let's get real. Uh, throughout yes. the whole time from when you, you know, get out of high school or college or whatever it is. But, okay, all right. So if you're not coming from – if stand-up wasn't your first thing, how shit-scared were you the first time you got up on stage? And where was that at? Oh, man, that was the Giggles Comedy Club in Seattle, which for a brief time went from Giggles to Jiggles, the strip club, and um, and then back to Giggles. And I think now it's yeah, currently Yeah, I know exactly Giggles. where it is. I spent a lot of yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. At the place. Comedy Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, just as sad though, um, the comedy is the stripping. It was, it was. I don't know what was funnier, quite honestly. But there was, um, there was a nice run of, of comedy there in the early '90s at Giggles with, I mean, Seinfeld and Gaffigan and Bill Burr. Like it was Greg Giraldo, who was my favorite comic of all time. There was a lot of uh, people that that um, uh, truly, um, you know made that club a, a thing and um and uh and so to get to do open mics there and have that be my home club and then it shifted to jiggles and i had to find a new spot but yeah it was terrifying man terrifying but also because i did so much theater in high school i was not as scared as i thought i would be it was the writing that scared me i was like i dove in and and had a couple buddies that I practiced a bunch of jokes on. And then when I was on stage, I was like comfy because I'd been on stage. And yeah, it's a different environment. And you're trying to make people laugh versus doing a play where they're just listening and you're you're doing your thing and the material is all, you know, prepped. And I was a little too word perfect when I first started and it wasn't as loose as I am now, obviously, right. to be able to, to riff. Yeah. But um, uh, I do remember my second time at Giggles, I brought maybe 20 people to the open mic. And this guy, they give you seven minutes. And he put me at the very end, Terry Taylor, who ran the club, and he did everything. He was the, the drinks guy, the ticket tear, the, the host, and even running this open mic. I brought 20 people to an open mic on a Sunday, and uh, he made me go last so that all the people would stay, which I get. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll get my seven minutes. Maybe I'll get a couple extra minutes for bringing this many people and having the audience be all here for me. Yeah. And I didn't complain. And I went a minute over. I'm not even – because I was so, you know, uh, just – trying to be so dialed into not being over my time. I looked down at my phone and it was about, you know, a little over a minute over and the audio gets pulled. And all of a sudden I realize the mic's not going and I hear some of my friends start booing. And then I just go, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do it acapella. So I tossed the mic behind me and just started doing it like Robin Williams style, which is how he developed that no mic yeah. thing. Cause he was so theatrical. Yeah. And I start just doing it like it's a one man show and kept doing it. Did another five minutes. He's lighting me in the back. I just did my time, kind of blew him off because I was like, dude, if you're going to fuck me like that, dude, I'm staying up. Which, you know, looking back, I'm glad I did that. Definitely a ballsy move. I, I'm surprised he, he didn't ban me from coming back, but I brought people. So I think he was like 
I can't lose business from this kid. But he went up to me. He was like, "You, what the fuck was that? And I was like, dude, you pulled the mic on me, man. I brought all my friends. He's like, you are five minutes over. I go, I was a minute over, man. I'll show you my phone. Yeah, but I mean, like, he's still able to sell drinks and, right? Oh, if, yeah. If oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, but that was, uh, that was, uh, that was definitely like an, <clears throat> an early, like, you know, not, not a uh, benchmark, but it was the, my first taste of like, whoa, this business is crazy. Like it got my mic pulled on my second time ever. But, um, I never, I never remember ever really being terrified to be on stage. It was just always, uh, I, I, if, if a set didn't go well, I just was like, fuck, I, I wish I knew of more shows to get on stage the next night so I could do this again and, and right the wrong. But, uh, that I mean, didn't happen. I, I, I mean, there's one thing to be funny with your buddies, right? Like, there's a lot of people who are funny around their buddies, but there's another thing to get up and, and with a stand-up. And obviously, people you probably studied, you know, or look up to, or whatever, right? To to get up there and what what is the if you can sort of put this into words, what's the difference? I mean, I'm pretty funny around my around my friends. I can make them laugh. When I get up on stage, what are the keys, man? If you're going to tell a 19 year old kid right now to say, look, you think you're funny? Stand up. This is what you got to do. Oh man, I would tell them there's no um, there's no rule book for it. There's no everyone's path is different. You got to control what you can control, man. You got to get up as much as you can, write all the time. Like I was saying earlier, like commit to the hang. Don't uh, don't be a dick. Um, study study the greats like everybody does. You know, watch some people. I, I never agree with the uh, the mentality of like. <coughs> watching too much other stand-up to where you can get influenced. We're all talking about a lot of similar shit, dude. It's just linear thinking, man. If There's a lot of funny people. I've had bits I thought was were so unique and original that people hit me up and and uh, be like, hey, man, sorry, I started doing this bit. I saw you have one or, or vice versa. I'll see that. And I go, oh, shit, all right, well, I'll chop that out or they'll make a move. And really? So okay. writing, writing stuff that's personal to your own life and, and story is the best way to do it. And that only comes from having a such a uh, a, honed, a honed point of view uh, to where you go. Oh, I'm I'm looking at the world through my goggles and nobody else's. So so these types of thoughts hopefully are only um, you know conducive to the way I'm writing. But uh, you know, shit, man, it's you got to be all in too. That's the other thing I would yeah. say because it's so easy to to go. Oh, I'm not going to get up tonight. I got my um, you know, my buddy's birthday party right. or, or some family in town and they wouldn't understand. Or a girl I finally have put in a lot of time with wants me to come over and, and, um, you know, watch, uh, watch, you know, Air Bud Six or Love Actually or something, <laughs> something that gets both of yeah. us, you know, uh, ready to get slippery and, and putting that stuff on the back burner and making the, uh, the dream, the, the first focus, I think is the only way to even give yourself a chance to succeed. Because again, there's, it's still a crapshoot. But if you don't at least, and this is how I view it with auditions. If I go into an audition and I walk out going like, all right, I know I prepped and I crushed it. And that was the best of, that I can give for that, that role. And if I don't get it, it's out of my control. But at least I can walk out knowing that I, I gave the best version. The worst feeling is walking out being like, dude, you didn't bring it. Like that yeah. was, and that, you know, I, I, not only do I know I'm not going to get it, but I didn't even represent myself the best. So go in and give the best shot. And if it doesn't happen, but also, don't even be thinking about that. If you're thinking about a plan B, you're going to take away from the plan A, you know? Which sounds oh. like some more Dr. Phil shit, but it's... Actually, you know who said that? Will Smith. Yeah, hey, I, I agree, man. And yeah. that's, the, that's the one thing with, 
you know, a lot of Latin kids play baseball, come over and play pro ball. And why are they successful? Because they don't have plan B. American kids, Australian kids have options, right? Like it's a situation where they're like, oh, no, if I don't make it in this, I can fall back on whatever because they've got you know, a bit of money or they're, they're doing something at school or whatever. I'm, I'm with you on that. And, dude, the audition part, I don't know how the hell you do that. My, my wife, she was an actress for over 10 years. Oh, and wow. so she's been through that, you know, through through the having to audition and, and go in and not have a clue. There's really no one saying, okay, stop. Um, this is what I saw giving you feedback. At least, you know, in, in sport you have a coach or you have something to, to tell you. It's like you could be killing it. You just never get the part. It can friggin' absolutely mess with your head, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is remaining, like, sane – and, and having a uh, thick skin to take the rejection and get up and do it again, the way Chumbawamba says, you know? And uh, I think if you don't... <laughs> By the way, that song, ahead of their time. Little did they know, every, if I was a motivational speaker, I would open and close with tub thumping. The headset come out, like just, everyone, everyone push-ups Dude, right now, and this song just pumping. A tight V-neck. By the way, push-ups right out of the gate. I, oh, but yeah. you know what, though? That is a good way just to get the energy up, just to get, right, yeah. we got to get the blood flowing. Yeah, you see, yeah. <laughs> I want everybody rock hard doing push-ups, not even with your arms. I want hands free, just dick doing all the work. You're like, dude, is this guy allowed to be in this building? Yeah, I think if you don't, uh, if you don't have that, which only comes with doing it too, is like getting to, to deal with the, uh, the nose. Uh, it's, dude, I don't know. When I think about the fact that I'm even doing it, it almost stresses me out and go, to where I'm like, thank God I'm not at the start again, because, uh, knowing right. what it takes, what it, you gotta be delusional and just yeah. go full steam ahead and not, not think about the what ifs and, and, and what if I don't. And, um, and you know, I think that's, I don't know. It's way more fun. Like you said though, man, than, than putting in for an office job. I mean, I just, but some people love that. Some people find that world yeah. incredibly appealing and, and they, uh, they get a routine down and they can get it going. But dude, I don't know, man, that's, yeah, man, I, I had that element of jealousy when my friends, they get out of school, they got, you know, locked in jobs. I'm still in the minor leagues, like, toiling around, or I get DFA'd or something like that. I'm like, oh, man, they've got their structure, nine to five. They can, you know, they can plan for the future. They can plan for the next six months. Here I am sitting here trying to friggin' figure out my life. I yeah, know. but no, you're Fuck right, man. That. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's amazing, man. Like, Again, just not having any kind of feedback, whether it's from auditions or a show, you get um, yeah, you get up, you get your 10, 15 minutes in. And it's funny, you said something, looking back now, right, you have to be, I mean, you basically have to be single, not have any, you know, kids, right, any obligation to financially be able to do it. Because, you're, I mean, you head out to L.A., and, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, too, you go to a school, you know, USC's not cheap, right? So no, all you're getting a degree from a school, expensive school. You get out of school, all of a sudden, here I am trying to make a career in something that has zero job security. Oh yeah, dude. I I I mean, look, I had some financial aid. I had the single mom pity party uh, effect that got us some cash. My grandparents helped me with the semester. I think it was thirty-eight a year when I was there. Right. And um, now I think it's maybe six, sixty or even maybe seventy, which is fucking bonkers. But. And then I got uh, uh, some academic scholarship and then my uh, student loans, which I, you know, paid off maybe, maybe now probably six, seven, eight years ago, I paid them off. And yeah, man, it, it um, it's uh, just to start with and try to build something out of nothing is so, again, daunting. But if you, if you don't think about it not happening and just kind of, for me, it was just staying active and I worked at a casting office and 
doing right. open mics. And when YouTube hit, I started doing a lot of sketches and and um, open mics and and just trying to keep as busy as possible, so that I didn't have a, an opportunity to uh, to have downtime to where I was, uh, you know, partying too much. And again, like I was saying, like you got to live a life worth writing about. So I would try to when I find myself getting right. too locked into work mode, and I, a buddy would hassle me, being like, "Dude, you're not going to get famous tonight. Come to my party." And I was like. <laughs> All right, and I go and have a good time, and you know, start start actually looking for those uh, those gatherings to kind of pull material from because you realize, you know, that that work and you know, I, I was a tour guide and played Wolverine at Universal Studios, and that gave me a wow. lot of things to talk about. And that was like my day job in between all the other bullshit, and because the casting office was an internship, so I didn't get paid from that. It was just hours of free help and hoping that they would pluck me into some some shows and whatnot, but um, yeah, I mean, having a girlfriend was almost near impossible. I did long distance twice, which probably helped. As much of a bummer as it was, it was like great because I could do all my stuff and, you know, it got tricky when you're trying to run to a show and she's on the phone just like, I yeah. miss you. And you're like, I miss you too, but I literally, if I don't yeah. go now, like, and so eventually just had to put the kibosh on that and then, uh, and then just live the single life. So you, so you reckon, so what, three years, it took you roughly three years to, to have that moment and say, hey, shit, this is actually happening. Was, was it a steady build-up or was it a lot of just bullshit pushing a brick wall and then, boom, all of a sudden something broke and you, th- you said, okay, this is actually happening. This was broken. Yeah, I think, you know what? I think the first, I mean, because, again, your, your benchmarks when you're starting out are like, yeah, getting on TV, getting a late-night spot, getting into a festival. The Just for Last Montreal Comedy Festival is a big deal. I remember when MySpace was around and MySpace Comedy was a big deal. And Dane Cook, who now, you know, become a, a buddy at, was the fucking king of of MySpace comedy and really used social media to his advantage and and you know cultivated this insane following that he still has and and uh, they would feature MySpace comedians and MySpace there was no Facebook there was no it was the thing dude I mean it's yeah. how people were connected and oh, it I got have the that you are, oh dude it got so many eyeballs and I remember I got featured up there in the MySpace they had one big comic I think I have a picture of it still it was me and Cat Williams and somebody else and somebody else. And I believe Dane Cook was the main, the main uh, uh, square. And then there's four little ones. And they put me in that little thing, dude. And it was, I remember just being like, I can't believe it. Because A, it was a, it was a validating moment for me. Because it was like, wow, these people I had no contact with. They, they saw my videos I've been doing or whatever. And they, they put me up in this thing to, for the whole world to see. And that was crazy. And then it also gave me a little bit of uh, cachet back home. Because, yeah. you know, people back home have no real understanding of what the business is if you're there tied to it they're just like well i don't see you on a billboard and you're not starring in movies so right. are you yeah. sure you're really doing it and you're like yeah man it's a grind it takes a minute and 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 then that myspace box was like for so, for a handful of people that were privy enough to to know that that carried a little bit of weight were like wow dude all right like look yeah, at you gotcha. and then yeah. get guys to take me on the road with them and and then uh you know getting again like a few tv spots and then getting in the heat in 2013 was like that was probably not a I made it, but a um, all right. I think I'm I'm on, you know. It was just a not that I was gonna quit at any time after that, but it was a man. Uh, you know, I graduated in '05, so that was eight years of just yeah. pounding the payment, right. filling not a lot of sleep, and just really and to get something a big comedy like that, right? A, a cool part with two of the biggest movie stars and and. And the premiere, and you know, I just posted this picture from the premiere on my Instagram 
with my buddy uh, from uh, elementary school that lived in D.C. and came up, and the casting director and a few other people, and Ben Affleck came to the premiere party and he was shit-faced. And it was the end of the night, and my buddy and the casting director and a few homies are sitting there, and she's like, man, Ben Affleck's still here. And he's drunk. He's talking to those two girls. And she's like, I want a picture with him, but I want to ask. I was like, well, I was in the movie, and I already talked to him and asked him to take a picture with my mom. I was like, let's go over there. So we go over there, and he's, he's hammered. And there was the thing set up that had like the heat, like a big poster, and then you could take a, a picture in front of it. And we all took one. And if you go on my Instagram, Adam Ray Comedy, I just posted yesterday. We're all standing there smiling and really excited, and Affleck's just like this. <laughs> yeah, just killing the photo, dude. Oh, just buzzkill Ben. Look, yeah. look like we're buddies, right? They look like, yeah, like we're just having three beers together and we're, we're yeah, we're bro. Uh, I know, I know. It was, I mean, it's better for the picture that he was not into it because, uh, whatever. <laughs> but, but yeah, dude, it's, it's, it, it's those types of things that at least give you a, you know, an extra, it's almost like in Mario Brothers getting a little one up, you know, and then you got, like, all right, I can, maybe I can take on King Koopa. I gotta, I gotta, you know, uh, all my fireballs in my in my in my pouch, but um, so so you would have had you would have had. I mean, I don't know if you how you, your family seems like they're pretty supportive, right? Yeah. Single mom, and she's like, hey, that was that was my mom too, man. She was like, hey, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Because I had six and a half years in the minor leagues, you know. And and you, I go back to Australia and you're a world away. Everyone's like, hey, when are you done doing your little baseball tour over there and playing, you know, Division Four rugby on the weekend in the beer league? Like, I'm like, no, God, I'm trying to make this a frigging career. You know, people just say. Because I had a lot of people saying to me, like, hey, man, look, I think it's time now to maybe start thinking about school or getting a yeah. degree or, or, hey, why don't you do this course in the off-season? Do you have plenty of that back home on that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think my mom was such a champion of, of what I was doing that she, um, you know, again, playing both parts. Dad was even still very supportive. Stepdad, stepmom. Um but also, again, when people don't have their own ties to what you're doing, it's tough for them to really, even though I know people that, that grew up with that, to have, you know, parents that are like, you're not that fucking funny. Or like, you're really going to do that? Like, it's tough. Like, I mean, my grandpa did that to my mom. It's why she lived vicariously through me and, and started doing plays and, and acting workshops when she married my stepdad. And he was like, stop working four jobs. Do the vagina monologues 15 times. And um, which she did. Right. And uh, she did it like six times and then quit and then they called her and asked her to do another production i was like mom you like the brett Favre of vagina monologues and uh and so uh and if you haven't heard your mom by the way deliver a vagina monologue uh you haven't truly lived because it is scarring and hilarious all at the same i'm writing this down actually hold on just give me a second let me make sure <laughs> yeah, this yeah. happens <laughs> yeah yeah but um but uh again so so you know, she had, unfortunately, my grandpa was a little too practical and was like, are you going to be able to support yourself doing this? And she didn't really have an answer to that other than, well, I don't know. So he's like, all right, well, didn't tell her not to, but was like, maybe go do the social work, you know, um, uh, you know, path because it's yeah. tough. And that's just also that generation, man, that was, right. I don't think, as, as uh, you know, filled with dreams and and overly ambitious thoughts of like anything's possible right right but but I, yeah, I, I you know i had that so it was cool yeah and you think too now like is this is this the best time in history to be to be a stand to do stand-up do you think i mean i hear i've heard wow. this a few times because obviously netflix is just taken off especially this coronavirus i feel like netflix stocks through the roof they're loving the fact everyone's at home 
But oh, Netflix yeah. is really showcasing stand-up. You know, whether you're a, a fan of stand-up or not, you, you, it's in your face all the time. And you also have all these other outlets, you know, ways to, you know, like you, you go to your website and you've got all these little things that can make you laugh on that website. You think this is the best time in history to, to, to be a stand-up? I think it's a pretty sweet time to be a comedian, man. There's uh, a lot of, you know, uh, things to to talk about. And I think people want stand-up right now more than ever because it is an escape for a lot of people. A lot of people do, whether they know it uh, or or uh, are aware of it or not, look to comics for um, commentary on what's happening. And, you know, we've been so lucky to have so many incredible minds and voices to do that over the last, I'd say, 20, 30 years. And whether it's the best time right now, I can only speak to knowing, like, my time. And, and I think, you know, uh, late 90s seemed pretty cool, but it, it's... From what I know from been doing it almost 15 years and how the comedy store was when I started and how it is now, yeah, dude, like, this is the time. I mean, it's it's truly become, uh, and the uh, accessibility of, of being able to see and watch people and getting this behind-the-curtain uh, element to people on, online, It's there's a lot of other ways for comics to get their content out there and to be seen and be heard, and podcasting is huge for that. Yeah. So I think it is probably the best time. And and you know, I would be I'd be shocked if it doesn't if it doesn't come back stronger uh, than it was before because people are going to be very thirsty for entertainment and yeah. and stand up again is going to provide such an immediate um obs- uh, an immediate perspective about what we've gone through what we're going through, but also I I've talked to some comics who are like genuinely terrified that it's not going to come back for a minute or it's going to be different. Certain only certain acts are going to really get booked because of like the draw that they have and the money that they'll bring in. So is is this is this that that group of comics that are sort of relying on clubs being open opportunities in that in that regard? You mean or you, or, or they, these are these are you know you know bigger comedians? The bigger well, ones I, I don't think are concerned. Like Joe Joe yeah. Rogan's not concerned, but also who knows with the social distancing and and what the guidelines will be for for gatherings. Yeah. If 5,000 people isn't allowed, then yeah, he'll look, he'll do comedy clubs, which then will bump people like me down. Right, you know? gotcha. So, so yeah, that sucks because then he'll pack out of five, he'll do five shows at a comedy club over a weekend, make a shit ton of money and sell it out. And if they're only allowing this many people in a room at a time, that's, that's the only option he'll have. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's something to think about, but yeah. Now the, the, the flip side of that question and asking, is this the best time to, be, to do stand up? It, is it at the same time? This is the the generation of being offended. Everyone gets offended so easily, and I find it funny. You, know, you watch Bill Burr's you know specials. He talks about like, look, I'm a comedian. These are jokes, right? Yeah. I might say some stuff, and you may get offended, but the the, the fact of the matter is, I, it, they're they're jokes. Like, don't take them literally yes. in a sense. So, oh, dude, it, I just do yeah. you ever worry about? Do you even think about that in your shows about I can't offend people now, or or this is going to you know be taken away? I mean, dude, I'll read you something I got from a text from the, the gal who I did yeah, the yeah. Zoom show. I haven't read it yet, but I pulled it up and I skimmed it and seen this. You were great. The tech was really rough. Not our fault, obviously. Okay. For the 22nd, they need everyone on a headset. They said that would help with the echo. They loved you. Notes they gave me. Don't mention Zoom at all since uh, that is their competitor. 
Okay, I guess I must have done that. It's it was eight by eight was the uh, the name of the, gotcha. the company that was doing it. The eating out the Barbie joke was a little too racy for them. Hold right. on a sec. Just so is this someone who dish, who dish worked work for the gig? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. she must work gotcha. for that. Yeah. Okay. They love they love the stuff talking to the guys. Also mentioned that a lot of the audience know each other. FYI. Yeah. So again, I was doing crowd work and really ripping yeah. some people apart and crushing with that. For the payment, all right, and some other stuff, blah, 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 and a voicemail. Um, so, yeah, right there, I, I read that, and I go, all right, I'll make an adjustment. I'll, I I don't have to do that joke. got tons of other stuff. Um, was, this like also, a, was this a private gig, or could I have paid money and signed up for it? No, the, people are doing things like that, but this is a private gig that okay, uh, gotcha. that, that was organized by them, who, who does the 8x8. But, but with something like that, I go, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to uh, – you know, make that much of a chance. If it's like one joke like that, if, if she had a whole list of notes, I'd be a little more hesitant to really make an adjustment. But yeah, like you said, you're like, it's just a joke. It's all, but it is all subjective. And when you're getting paid, you don't have to change what you're doing. But you know, if it's an easy move for me to be like, all right, maybe I won't. Let me look at else. But also, to be quite honest, dude, it must have been the way I delivered that versus something else because. I've got edgier stuff that I did right. that they didn't even mention. So it's also people sometimes just enjoy looking at um, looking for something to go. Hey, can we? Like oh weirdly, people do enjoy um, you know have, saying to a comic like, "Can you not like? I know I don't do comedy, but yeah, I like do know what I, I do know what funny yeah. is. So I'll obviously make you know the necessary adjustments, but." I, but also, I've done this enough to know I don't. I, I'm not offended by her critique. It's like, cool, don't do what. I, like again, but if had I been two years in and not as, um, you know, uh, savvy enough to know, hey man, like make a small adjustment. And also, do you have a, more material that that you can, you know, replace with with what you did that they didn't like? But um, I don't know, man, Bill Burr. There's a handful of guys that truly can say whatever they want. And this is why the Louis special, I think, will probably get a lot of positive attention because right. funny trumps everything, man. If it's funny, like, look, I know he was making jokes after uh, a Florida school shooting and, and a lot of people were coming down on him. I remember hearing one of the jokes being like, that is fucked up. Funny joke, if I'm looking at it from a joke thing, for me personally, I was like, yeah, I'm very sensitive to that stuff. So I, my brain doesn't work in the space of trying to find the funny there yeah but if you're looking at it from a strictly joke uh perspective man like very funny so there's yeah, guys yeah. like that and that's why Chappelle is is uh just the best because he's so damn smart and he's so thoughtful you know and he he doesn't waste words and that's you, you, you talked about you know some of these guys are on a level where they can just say whatever they want right? yeah you think they'll like that when they're still trying to make it you think they they change their you know, their art form of the delivery yeah. to please people. I, but that's always, that's not the right way to go, right? You're never going to, you're never going to get to where you want to be, right? If you do that way. Yeah. I think the more company you get, the more you start. And that's when you start to probably find success is when you start to go, Oh, this is who I am. It takes a minute to find who you are on stage. And once you have, once you lock in on that, then you go, Oh, now I have opinions. I know what I think when I read something, I know what I feel when I think something, I know when I, what I want to yeah. say when I see something. And that just takes reps and time is your best friend, so you get to a point to where you can do that without thinking about it and right. be able to speak from a place that's so genuine that you can riff on a subject and be funny about it. And that's that's what the two greats do. I mean, I've watched Chappelle late night at the comedy store for two, three hours at a time. 
do you know jokes, but also just talk out material. And yeah. sometimes it's like this, and sometimes it's like that, right. and it's like that. But it's sometimes I've seen it where it's just like, dude, yeah. crush city. Right. So uh, that's that's the ultimate goal, and that's why it's there's never a finish point. You're always getting better and evolving, and there's never a point where you go, cool, I mastered stand up. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, Adam, this has been a blast, man. I hope I didn't keep you from going with yeah, the plate today. That was awesome, dude. Yeah, and next time, again, I'm going to make this very clear to Rick Riz. Say, look, man, next time Adam's in the booth, he's talking oh, about Sandra to. Bullock, right, motorboating, and he's, he's, he's got stories for days, all right? The, new, the, so the news stories, anchor. Like, come what, what's, on, what's the news anchor doing now? The one who hooked up with the cameraman. Dude, there's – dude, I got to be honest. It's one of the things I take pride in. I do not – Look uh, up exes and stalk on Facebook. Um, and by the way, that's also not true. She's uh, she's got a kid and she's remarried. So, but she's uh, and she works for NBC in San Francisco. And you know what? I wish her the best. Even though I invited her to my shows the last six times I've been in San Fran, dude, bury the hatchet, bring your husband. I even said I was like, fucking come out, I'll hook you up. No response. No one, way. Time she no way. Back, one time she did get back and like a week later, and she was like, I just saw this. And it's also like message received. She ain't trying to include me in her life. You know, I, I wouldn't need, dude, if that husband like looked me up and was like, who's this guy like? And then he's like, oh, he thinks he's funny. Oh, we're going to go see his show. So I get it. Yeah, but um, yeah. but I, got, I got a lot of clean stories for the booth. Look, dude, I want to be a color commentator. I told Riz this when I was a kid. I used to mute the Mariners games and pretend that I was in the booth with him and Dave Niehaus and I would uh, commentate by my, I want to be a sports broadcaster. Up until probably from six until eleven. Really? And then, okay. Oh yeah, dude. So I'd mute the games and commentate. My mom was like, "This kid's losing his fucking mind," and he's double fisting pop tarts. I don't think he's gonna make it out of the eighth grade. And uh, Albertsons, the grocery store, actually had a contest where you could win to get into the booth for a half an inning. And my buddy did, and he was so bad and so not personable. And I was like, "You wasted it." I was like, "Why didn't oh, you give wow. it to me?" So, so I told Riz that I was like, "Dude, you gotta." I entered the contest and didn't win. Now, now you can make the dream come true. What, what happened when you turned 11? What happened? Just said, screw it, I'm done. Oh, dude, I think, I don't know, dude. I think I, I don't so know. Tony Hawk skateboarding or something. You and I are the same age. So I'm, I'm trying to think of the same sort of, oh, like, you know I'm trapped in the 90s, dude. Like, I mean, I've even got, I mean, I wore this shit. I'm like, oh, man. Because yeah, I, I looked, I, I knew what, I knew, well, by the way, that, they were coming to Seattle. Uh, they, they're back touring i couldn't believe it i was like oh, i know God. it's amazing i know it's i like, want to go but i'm i'm, I'm just trapped I, I looked i was like okay let's figure out how old he is to make sure yeah you because know, randy for example randy couture is a lot older than me so i'm talking about oh were you a mariners fan because he grew up in seattle it's like oh but the mariners even around when he was a kid yeah 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 he's <laughs> but, like yeah, was, gossage yeah. <laughs> yeah no yeah. i mean i hit 11 and i think i a buddy of mine was such a, a nerd with stats and i was good with players and I just had a really colorful, you know, going off of, of Riz and E-House. And even, um, I know Kevin Kremen was the producer but um, for years. But um, who, there was another guy. Oh, um, he did the Braves uh, commentating for a while. Um, yeah. um, uh, you know who I'm talking about, dude. I know exactly. Um, yeah. dude. Oh, man. oh Ken good. Levine, right? That's right, yeah. Ken yeah, yeah. Levine. And uh, these guys were just brilliant with their, with their words. And, and I, I really dug that. And... And but the stats, I was like, dude, I'm never gonna be dialed in with these stats. Little did I know you get that shit handed to you more or less if you need it. But you gotta come on, man. The best know when a guy comes up 
they yeah. can rattle off, you know, uh, Rain Man style, what he ate for breakfast while he turned a double play, you know? So, uh, yeah. The stats are think- ridiculous, though, man. I, I can't, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, the, the stats they're throwing out now, I, I'm not keeping up with it at all. I'm just like, I'm just going to try to go old school. Yeah, it's, it's absurd. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but man, it's, it's, been fun, man. Yeah. it's been awesome, dude. I can't wait to kick it live in the flesh next time we're both in yeah. Seattle. Let's do it. Um, and uh, and good luck to you, dude. And awesome. and um, and um, there's one more thing I wanted to say. Take the piss. What you got? What I want to say, dude. There's one. I had a whole like s- solid strong outro, and now it's just gonna end on a weird note. This, this oh, is, oh, dude! What, what, what is the beer in Australia? Don't say Foster's. Come on, not Foster's. No, there was a beer that they always kept serving us. Uh, not a Hooters. What was it called? A, a Loggers? A Joggers? Oh, uh, a Crown Lager? No, there's a name like a Boogers or something. It's like a James Bogues. A Bogies? No. What? What is? No. Well, well, okay, you got you got James Bogues is an Australian beer, but the the two big ones like the the Bud Light and um. The Bud Light and Coors Light of Australia is... A boomer? Is, was it like a boomer? What is it? There's a... Oh, dude. I'm sorry, uh, dude. Google. Yeah. Apologize to your viewers. Australian beer. Uh, a schooner? Schooner. Yeah, right? schooner. Yeah. yeah a schooner. Well, a schooner's the size. Like, oh, can I get a schooner, can I, can I get a schooner mate? And it's like the no, schooner no, that size. Wasn't it. No, a midi? Victoria Bitter. A two a twoies? No. Two-ies? Yeah. Coopers. A Coopers. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, there you go, Coopers. That's a that's we, a big one. We tried to do uh, Adam Devine and I. We were we were you know there on tour. We were drinking. We were like, give me a Coopers, and we tried to do you know you get just drunk enough. Every asshole American tries to do the accent to see if they can fit in. And the girl called us out, and she's like, like, there's no way you guys are from here. And we were like, we're totally from here. Give us the Coopers. Oh, but we were just drunk enough. Man, you you get headbutted in two seconds doing that. Let me tell you. Hey, when you when you come back to when you get back in Seattle, dude, Kangaroo and Kiwi. It's an Aussie pub. Big shout out. <laughs> no Brad, way. Oh, it's awesome. It's it's also a Cougars, um, you know, Washington State Cougars football. Oh, very cool. But no, no, it's full on all the Aussie shit all over the the, the walls. It's it's and they've got Coopers. Oh, they've got. Oh, dude, yeah, for sure. I love it. For sure. It's 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 a lot of fun. We'll do it. We'll for the Cougars and Pounds and Coopers. There you go. Let's do it. it. All right, right. All right. man, dude. Yeah. Man. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Top Step. Now, make sure you click that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this episode or go check out www.thetopstep.com. Now, coming up on future episodes, I get a chance to check in with my buddy, the MLB insider, Mr. John Paul Morosi, as well as sit down with MLB mega prospect, Mr. Justin Dunn. Look forward to catching you on The Top Step real soon. <laughs>